fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into the program. It is a Friday, greatest day of the entire week. You finally made it, my friends. Pat yourself on the back. And let's get set for another great weekend. What do you say? Holy cow. Welcome into it. This is The Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country. Multiple radio stations, TV, live streaming, podcasting. Wherever you may be watching or listening, always wonderful to have you. Your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. I have to apologize for just a moment so it's been crazy it's i'm so glad it's friday i'm so glad it's friday it's been crazy and it's going to be crazy for a few more days but i may be a little bit slap happy on the show not quite sure i have uh, been filling in for our morning show here on the local kqam my flagship station where i broadcast out of every day i filled in for the morning program because our morning show guy is gone right now so get to be the fill-in i don't mind it i enjoy it more time on the radio i mean who could complain about that but that was exactly like 12 hours ago so (laughs) don't worry if i just get a little slap happy on the program today why not let's just have some fun it's a friday right coming up on the show micah Derry. he is the president of the adams project as we talk about republican leadership the future of the Republican Party and what the platform may be for the Republican Party going into election season. Obviously, we've taken a bit of a hit in the elections here that just happened a few weeks ago, and we need to regroup a little bit. We need to figure out what exactly our platform may look like and how we can use that and utilize that with proper Republican leadership. I know it's difficult right now. We kind of still have that ongoing civil war between the Republican sects of the Mitch McConnells versus the Mike Johnsons, the Ted Cruz's versus the Mitt Romney's. We still have this battle ongoing uh, and it's not going to stop anytime soon, but we really have to kind of get our you know what together in order for us to win 2024, Uh, which little plug for you. I spoke with earlier today, I spoke with the Republican RNC committee person for the state of Kansas. Now, it's going to air on my local program here in the Wichita area tomorrow morning. I do my local program called Kansas Talk. Uh, So that's going to air during that program. But he did bring up some really interesting conversation about the big optimism right now that Republicans have about winning not only the presidency in 2024, but winning the House of Representatives on focusing on certain elections that they think are going to be easy elections, not easy like we're just not going to try, but easy like we had the best chance of winning these. And they're extremely optimistic in the RNC right now about winning the majority in the Senate next year if we play our cards right. And just imagine if we start the Trump administration 2.0, and I'm doing that just because I assume that he's going to get the nomination right now, and if we get the presidency, if we start the second term of the Trump administration like we did in 2016 with a Republican House and a Republican Senate, but this time we have a different Speaker of the House that's actually willing to work with the president, and we don't have some of the naysayers like John McCain and uh, like uh, Liz Cheney and some of these other ones that fought against him, tooth and nail that we could actually get some things done with a Republican majority in both chambers. Imagine a world where we actually have that. Now, I'm again, again, <laughs> that 
would lead us to actually have to go out and vote and actually make that happen. So we'll talk about all that and more coming up at the bottom of this hour. Uh, happy Friday to you, though. It is the end of the week. And can you imagine we are officially less than a week away from Thanksgiving? That's kind of a scary thought for some. I hope you have your Thanksgiving turkey. I hope you have your plan. I saw a recipe today. And I am so excited to try it. I think I might have to try it. So my contribution to Thanksgiving dinner, because Mrs. Voice of Reason handles everything, she takes care of it all. I did ask her how many minutes per pound I have to put the turkey into the microwave, but I'm joking. See, that's my joke I do every single year. Now, she handles all that. I contribute one thing to the Thanksgiving dinner, and that one thing I contribute is deviled eggs. I love deviled eggs. They're amazing. I love making them. She's not big on them, but the way I make them, they turn out all right. I saw a recipe today about Cajun shrimp deviled eggs. And I mean, come on, dude. I mean, I'm just saying. So I may have to try that this year. Nonetheless, Thanksgiving's a less than a week away. We are getting prepared for the holidays, the major holiday season between Thanksgiving, Black Friday, and then so begins Christmas season. You'll hear nonstop Christmas music everywhere. You'll see the Christmas decorations everywhere. And we get ready for the end of the wrap up of 2023. With along that, though, we also have to brace ourselves and prepare ourselves for holiday season, meaning we get to worry about people getting upset about saying Merry Christmas versus Happy Holidays or the culture war that always happens during the holiday season where the left wing progressives try to take the holiday and twist it to their own and use it for the whatever flavor of agenda that they have for this year. And apparently it's already happening this year. Uh, There was a story that was run on Fox News. And Jesse Waters, Jesse Waters show, where he ran and talked about some of the, the the culture war that's ongoing with Target already having out some of their Christmas display and having LGBTQ rainbow flagged nutcrackers that were on sale. And The View, anybody watch The View? Yeah, I don't either. It's okay. But The View apparently got a hold of this audio and lost their minds that Jesse Waters was making fun of of the LGBTQ flag-waving nutcracker and a a, a, a little figurine of a Santa Claus that was black and in a wheelchair. Now, I don't care that Santa Claus is black. You can make him whatever culture that you want to for it to appease to that culture. That doesn't bother bother me. But why does Santa Claus need to be in a wheelchair? Well, the the, the wheelchair kids aren't represented by Santa Claus. Really? That's what we're at. We have taken things to that level. And Jesse Water made some fun about it on Fox News. Well, apparently the view didn't find that as comical. And they had a thing or two to say about that as Anna Navarro went on a tirade against Republicans. I don't know when Republicans are going to wake up to the idea that manufactured culture wars against transgender, against LGBTQ, against books, against history, against Mickey Mouse are not going to win anything for them. Yesterday, Ron DeSaster... High heel Ron, go go boot wearing Ron disaster. Yeah. Got another humiliating defeat from the Supreme Court that ruled against his overreach fascist anti drag yeah. show law. The conservative Supreme Court ruled against that. And you know what I would say to Ron? Maybe now you can make up with the drag queens and they can actually teach you how to walk in high heels. <laughs> so Wow. Those are some very strained jokes here on The View. Uh, And it was not even really funny. Ha ha, you really got him. Man, you sure got him, Anna Navarro. So let's break this down a little bit, shall we? Not that any of us pay attention to The View, but this is an opinion. This is The View 
of many left-wing progressive Democrats across the nation that, again, the culture war of why are you making fun of a black Santa Claus in a wheelchair or the LGBTQ? And when will Republicans realize that going against these individuals is the wrong platform for you to take, is essentially her opinion. I don't know when Republicans are going to wake up to the idea that manufactured culture wars against transgender, against LGBTQ, against books, against history, against Mickey Mouse, are not going to win anything for them. Okay, first and foremost, this is it kind of refers back to the conversation we had yesterday with uh, Kamala Harris, can be being completely blindsided and getting the glazy look in her eye when asked about why Joe Biden chose her as vice president of the United States, not because of her stance, not because of her platform, not because of her criteria, but because she was a black woman and the Biden administration wanted a black woman on the ticket. Now we can argue about whether she's even a black woman being that she's Indian and Jamaican, but we'll just let that slide for this conversation and for the point I'm trying to make. When we brought that up and was asked about that by the New York Times, by the way, her eyes went just glossy. I don't understand the question. What do you mean? He wanted a black woman and he's got a black woman. He chose me. So it's all done. I don't know why we're talking about this. Yeah. Not realizing that she is literally the Uncle Tom that they try to claim that Republicans use. That she's literally the example that we don't care what you stand on as long as you check the boxes for the identity politics. That is a culture war. That is a war on the American people, showing that we don't care about your individual value as a person. We only care about your identity politics. That's all we care about. That's the most important thing. You are now part of this group. You are now part of this collective. You are now part of this box that we fit you in. And you don't belong outside of that. You can't think an individual thought. You can't have individual feelings. You only fit into this identity, and that's who you are, and that's how we see you and represent you, and you have to go along with it. The same with this, the culture war. Here's the thing. We're not trying to start any culture wars. Republicans don't start any culture wars. We don't care for the most part. We don't care about your gender identity. We don't care about your sexual orientation. We don't care how you identify because it's not about any of that stuff. It's about the individual and whether you treat humanity with kindness or not. And if you're trying to make your identity... Not about your character and who you are, what you do for society, how you take care of humanity in general, how you take care of your family, how you uphold yourself in society. If you're not focused on that, but focused on the fact that I wave a pride flag and that is my that is my whole identity. So you must refer to me as and you must every time you see me refer to me through this identity, then there's a problem because we don't care about that. It means nothing to us, at least to me. It means nothing. I have plenty of friends that are gay. I don't care as long as they're not coming to me and saying, Andy, did you know I'm gay? Andy, did you know that I, did you know, Andy, you should be part of this community too. Andy, like when that happens, then I cross the line. Like, you know, that's not my values. That's not what I believe in. That's not what I stand for. That's not the way I'm going to live my life. If you do it, all the power to you. Have fun, go enjoy, but don't rub it in my face. They've literally started a culture war. By creating a nutcracker that is waving a pride flag for the LGBTQ. That's the culture war that started. And again, just like Kamala Harris, when you bring that up to them, their eyes glaze over. What are you talking about? We're trying to represent a community. What community? Why does there need to be a community? Why can't you just be an individual that may happen to be gay? Because outside of that, I don't really care. 
what's the fascination with needing to wave a flag and say, this is who I am, I'm proud of it, and you should be proud of it too for me? What's the point of that? Because now you've lost every bit of individualism that you have. But again, the progressives, their eyes glaze over. They don't really care. Because to them, the identity is everything. The collective is everything. Kind of like how we're seeing the free speech or lack thereof on social media. The identity is everything, and you have to stand for something. And if there is something that we don't like, then we will silence it and we will shut it down. Apparently, Elon Musk is in a lot of heat on Twitter right now because of an agreement that he had made for a certain tweet that now everybody's going bananas for. Now, I read the tweet, and they said that it's running rampant with anti-Semitism on the X. And that he agreed with it, and therefore there's a lot of sponsors that are pulling out of sponsoring X because of all this anti-Semitism that's going on. I read the tweet, and while I can kind of see where they're coming from, I don't get it. But it doesn't fit the narrative, because when we challenge it and we think about it from a different angle, the rise glaze over. And you know, on this program, everybody has the ability to think for themselves and think about something a little bit different, attack an issue from a little bit different angle. And as long as we're moving in the same direction, we can all attack something at the different angle and try to approach it in a different way. Progressives don't do that. It's all either their way or the highway. It's either you believe the exact same, you do the marching orders, you do the exact same way that we do, or else you are part of the problem. And just like this, the culture wars for you attacking the fact that we've started a culture war. How dare you do that? Or the free speech on social media. How dare you have your own independent thought? And I find it quite interesting that there is, quote unquote, anti-Semitism on the Twitter when the progressives right now have been the most anti-Semitic individuals on the face of the earth. This is the distraction to take away from their headlines to try and focus on the right side of the aisle. We'll read the tweet when we come back and you can get your own opinion on that right around the corner for a Friday here on The Voice Reason. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is The Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. 24 minutes past the hour, radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five pound bag, trying to rebrand the millennial generation, one radio listener at a time. All right, I want to read this tweet to you, and I want you to really think about it for a second. Kick back, close your eyes unless you're driving, kick back and really ponder this and say, is there anti Semitism here or is there any white supremacy going on here, which is what. Uh, they're trying to say, because remember, the progressives have a major identity crisis right now. That's why during that massive 300,000 person plus rally uh, pro-Israel that happened a few days ago in Washington, D.C., you had Democrats out there, including Hakeem Jeffries, including Chuck Schumer, although he is Jewish, so I guess that makes sense, that were out there trying to rebrand the Democrats to win back over the Jewish population that they're having a hard time doing. Because even Karine Jean-Pierre in the White House have had a hard time admitting that there's been radical anti-Semitism across the nation. And it's coming from their side of the aisle that are protesting and angry at the Biden administration for their pro-Israel stance instead of the pro-Palestinian, pro-terrorist, pro-Hamas stance. So they don't know how to handle it because I've never done this before. They're the inclusive ones, right? They're the ones that bring everybody together. They're the ones that sing Kumbaya, hold hands together, hug the trees, have a great old time. Not saying anything wrong against hugging trees, I guess, but nonetheless, I don't know why. Why are you bringing trees in the conversation, Andy? Nonetheless, they're the ones that are supposed to be the inclusive ones, accepting everybody except for the right wing nut jobs. 
And now they're looking pretty darn bad against the Jewish population because they won't admit the anti-Semitism. So they have to change the narrative. And the narrative is that now Republicans and Elon Musk, who has the private social media site that the government doesn't have any control over anymore, is the most anti-Semitic person out there. So let's focus the attention over on him and therefore we can attack him. So I want to read this tweet to you that apparently Elon Musk had agreed with and say he said, quote, you have said the actual truth is how we responded to the tweet. And the tweet, according to the media, is extremely anti-Semitic and white supremacist. Here's what it says. According to the user, and this is according to Breitbart.com, I am deeply disinterested in giving the tiniest blank about the Western Jewish populations coming to the disturbing realization that those hordes of minorities that, uh, that support flooding their country don't exactly like them too much. I'm going to read that again because it's kind of a weird worded tweet and I had to ponder it myself a little bit. I'm deeply disinterested in giving the tiniest blank about the Western Jewish populations coming to the disturbing realization that those hordes of minorities that support flooding their country don't exactly like them too much. And the response from Elon Musk was, quote, you have said the actual truth. Now, the argument from the progressives is that that is a, quote-unquote, white supremacist argument of the, quote, great replacement conspiracy theory, is what they've called this one, saying that progressives are trying to flood the country in with minorities to make white people the non-majority race of the nation. Is the attack on this tweet? And I had to read it two or three times to try and understand that point, and because, again, my mind doesn't go automatically to, oh, my gosh, it's racist. Like, my, my mind doesn't do that. I don't think in racist terms my entire life. I don't wake up and be like, oh, I can't wait to call somebody racist for the day. I don't do that. So I had to read it a couple of times to try and get that point, because what I got from this is that an individual who's been crying about, about the mass flooding of migrants coming across our southern border is now unconcerned about a Jewish community who's been predominantly voting Democrat and progressive in this nation are now starting to wake up to the realization that there are individuals coming and flooding over our border that may not like them and may be a potential threat to them. Hence, the violent protest that we've seen for the pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas movement across the nation that has been extremely anti-Semitic, that has been attacking Israeli and or, uh, Jewish populations in the nation, and that now all of a sudden the Jewish population's waking up to the realization that Democrats have been flooding the border with potential terrorists and anti-Semites. That's what I got from that. And that this person's like, well, you know, I, I mean, still not the greatest tweet, still kind of a jerk move of like, you kind of deserve it because you haven't been awake to this issue now. So I'm disinterested when you're finally awake. Kind of a jerk move. But is it really not that accurate? I don't get the white supremacy this argument is here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Your patriot on the prairie, your political therapist right here on the show. Always great to have you along for the ride. Happy Friday to you. Moving through your final Friday before the crazy holiday madness begins. We have Thanksgiving next week. We have Black Friday next week. And then it's just Christmas season from there on out until the end of 2023. So buckle and strap up. Hopefully you're ready for it. I'm ready for some actual cool weather. So, again, I'm based out of Wichita, Kansas here, although we have radio stations all over the place. And it's been like the mid-60s even today. Tomorrow, 66 degrees. Come on, man. 
Come on, it's supposed to be November. I want it 40s. I want some snow flurries. I want it nice and cool. No, thanks, Global Warming. Thanks, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Thanks so much for that. Man, I'll tell you what. All right. Let's shift gears a little bit here and get into our latest and what's trending. What's trending today? I want to shift gears a bit. As you know, we have a major crisis as we go into election season on what the platform of the Republican Party may be. True leadership. Do we have it? We have a new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. We have uh, a battle right now for the identity of the Republican Party. And uh, while we look at crime rates, we look at the lack of law enforcement right now, the law enforcement shortages that we're seeing. Uh, I read a headline that apparently Memphis, Tennessee is so bad and so badly riddled with crime that now pundits are saying that not even the military could come in and clean up this madness because of how much anarchy is going on in the streets. How in the world did we get to this point? And what are we going to do about it? And speaking of the elections, what are Republicans going to do about it? What's the platform of the Republicans to try and solve this issue? To talk about that and so much more, happy to have on the program. He is the president of the Adams Project, the conservative criminal justice reform organization. Micah Derry on the line is here. Micah, how are you, my friend? Fantastic. And just like you out on the plains, your hillbilly friends over here in Appalachia in the eastern United States, we're unusually warm, too, but you know what? We're holding out for a white Christmas nonetheless. That's right. A white Christmas would be so nice. I'm telling you, it's that global warming. AOC solved everything too much, right? There we are. You got it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Let's talk about crime rates right now. We see the mayor of Dallas that has flipped political parties and political uh, ideology to a quote-unquote Republican because the crime is up near 74% in the city of Dallas, Texas, and he says that we need to work closely with law enforcement, more so than what Democrats have done with their push to defund law enforcement. We have Memphis, where they say that not even the military could come in and clean up these issues with crime because things are so bad. We have California literally saying you can go in and take whatever you want as long as it's under $900 of goods and we won't charge you with a crime in the state of California. We have created anarchy in the streets. Micah, what the heck? What do we do about this problem? It's one of those most incredibly frustrating and challenging policy areas to work with in domestic policy circles in the United States. You know, it's like those ugly Christmas sweaters where you find one loose thread because they're cheaply made and you start to pull on it. And next thing you know, it keeps on coming and coming. You discover there's more loose threads. That's how criminal justice policy works. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just out of the cities that you already mentioned, we've already just so many issues that come to light. I mean, shoot, when we look at Dallas. Uh, we look at the mayor who has actually been trying to implement some conservative policies, such as community policing, increasing police presence in your biggest crime-ridden parts of the city, and has had to fight the woke left every step of the way. But some of the most simple solutions aren't just police presence. It's really, it really goes back to the core principles of conservatism, including how do we best utilize the resources we have and how do you get the most out of it? And you know, we've been polling Republicans all over the country and we've been working on focus groups because it's an important year that we're moving into. It's a presidential election year. and It's a big opportunity because it's an opportunity for Republicans to help cast their vision on a national stage in a way that we don't necessarily get in the off years. And as we've been talking to voters, there have been several themes that keep coming up. The, the first theme that comes up is Republican voters want to hear candidates that are supporting law enforcement. And they don't just want to hear people say, well, we back the blue. They also want to hear, what do you mean by that? Are you talking about more and better training? Are we talking about better pay, adequate funding? 
what do you mean when you say that you support law enforcement? The second theme that comes up consistently is voters want to hear our officials demand accountability. Whether we're talking about murderers and rapists or if we're talking about rogue DAs that are not doing their jobs or if we're talking about, in the case of Memphis, we're talking about law enforcement officers that have broken the, the trust that they have with the public by operating outside of the powers that are belong to them justly with their badge and gun. If they operate out of those, the public wants accountability. And yeah. third and final, and this is the one where Republicans have some of the greatest opportunity because of policies that they've already enacted at state levels, and that is focus on rehabilitation. There are nearly 2 million people who are sitting behind bars across the country as we speak right now. 95% of those prisoners will go home at some point if we do not take the opportunity at the time that they are captive behind bars to equip them to make the better decisions than what they made that landed them there in the first place. Then we're only creating an opportunity where they're going to end up back in prison, costing taxpayers more money down the road. It's a great point, and it's a lot of opportunity, like you said, for Republicans to jump on and really tackle this issue. The question is, is that Republicans struggle sometimes to actually send out their messaging on what we actually stand for, what we actually believe in. Do you think Republicans and the Republican Party as a whole right now is doing a good enough job laying out that platform and that messaging for people to understand exactly where we stand? In, in a nutshell, if we were to look at any one candidate on the presidential trail right now, now there's probably not anyone who's doing singly a, a good job. And shoot, in this last debate in Miami, in fact, there was no discussion about crime whatsoever. And I think that is a mistake. Yeah. You see, for so long, we have ceded the ground to the left of let the progressives talk about crime. And of course, as always, it didn't take the left very long to jump the shark. They started going down all of these threads of things that aren't even applicable. And instead, what they're left with is letting their streets fester until, well, they get a visit from foreign dignitaries. Then they'll clean up their streets, at least for a little bit. Republicans have been leading on this for decades. It started as a movement in Texas with Governor Rick Perry. We've seen great things happen in states like Utah, far from being a progressive state, as they implement things like Clean Slate Initiative. Shoot, in my home state of Ohio, we were one of the early states to tackle civil, civil asset forfeiture, which was really an abuse of government power in taking property away from people who may be innocent of any crime whatsoever, but never returning it to them. These are all pieces that feed into flaws in our justice system. Republicans have been leading on for a long time. Let's not forget about what happened while President Trump was in the White House when he signed the First Step Act into law. The First Step Act, for your listeners who might not be familiar, the First Step Act is an incentive for people in federal prison to participate in, in occupational training, in behavioral health training, cognitive health training. Again, trying to incentivize them to actually participate in training that will equip them to make better decisions when they get out so they don't come back. And, and here's the real kicker. We're not used to Congress passing laws that actually work. <laughs> However, we're starting to get the data back on the First Step Act, and we're finding that it is reducing recidivism by more than 32%. And the way that translates, that means that more than 3,000 fewer arrests, re-arrests of people have happened since they've been re-released than what they would have if that program wasn't in place. And we can thank Republican leadership for that bill being signed into law. Yeah, amen to that. And in fact, if I remember correctly, our former governor here in Kansas, Governor Sam Brownback, 
was one that actually helped craft that because he was one of the first ones in the nation to actually create these types of programs where you can go to the prison. I've toured through our state uh, facilities here in Kansas to uh, where they're able to get their plumber's degree, their electrical degree, to something to have something to come out of jail of and be able to go into the workforce and not return back into jail in prison because of the lack of opportunity. And that return rate dropped by near 60% here in the state of Kansas under that former Governor Brownback uh, that I know was a pitiful role in the Brown, in the uh, Trump administration. So that's the kind of stuff we have to focus on that I don't think gets enough attention. You're exactly right. I'm so glad that you mentioned that about Brownback because if federal programs like that that have been effective, they are modeled on policies that are passed in states like Texas, Utah, Georgia, Kansas, and South Carolina. This isn't California and New York and Oregon that's leading the way. It's solid conservative states, and we have to be able to do a better job talking about what we're doing at the state levels, carry that to the federal. And, and this is the solid truth, though that when we talk about the presidential candidates, sometimes the cop-out is, well, most of these policies are set at the state level. And they're absolutely right. However, the entire party pays attention to presidential candidates. And every single candidate down the ticket, from U.S. senator down to city council member, listen to how the celebrities and the rock stars of our party talk about these issues on the stage, and they emulate them. It is important for our presidential candidates to step up and talk about these policies in a way that is proud of what Republicans have done, while staying away from the cheap sound bites that so often dominate the conversation during a presidential election season. I completely agree. We talk with Micah Derry. He's the president of the Adams Project, which you can find online, theadamsproject.org, and you can find all the ideas for conservatives to be able to fight for criminal justice reform across the nation. It is so badly needed, and Republicans can't shy away any longer from having these deeper conversations of, like you said, being able to solve the issue, figure out what's going on, what's driving people to prison, and what's making them return to it over and over again, and trying to stop that bleeding to where we don't have to spend taxpayer money on these individuals any longer and actually be contributing to society. we got to take a break here in just a minute, so hang on the line. When we come back, I want to talk about the importance of bonds because i know you're from ohio i grew up in ohio as well uh bowling green baby that's where we came from originally and uh uh, the question of ohio trying to repeal bail bonds i know illinois has tried to repeal bail bonds and actually get rid of that system what is that doing to the criminal justice system as well while we're becoming more and more lenient on actual individuals committing crimes across the nation and how we can get that back on track plus george soros and the soros family that's trying to invest in sinking in for attorney generals and county district attorneys to try and stop the enforcement of laws at the local level. There's a lot of different angles we got to address adjust this issue and address when they try to attack and try and loosen up these laws and allow criminals to run rampant. We'll do that when we come back here on The Voice of Reason. Stay right here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. All right, so you know how every year since 2020 it seemed to be more strange every single year? Weirdness happens. You just shake your head and you're like, is this really the world that I'm living in? Did I go to an alternate dimension or something here? Headline, and again, I'm trying to wrap my head around this one. Snoop Dogg says, quote, after much consideration and conversation with my family, I've decided to give up smoking. Like smoking marijuana. Snoop Dogg 
Say what? I know. Must not be fun anymore now that it's legal or something. I don't know. But there you go. Another reason, reason number 4,586 on why we think that we live in an alternate dimension now. Uh, we're hanging out with Micah Derry, The Adams Project, theadamsproject.org. Go and check it out. I don't know. Micah, come on, man. I mean, Snoop Dogg, he's not smoking marijuana anymore. Say what? Do you think he's going to give up edibles? Ooh, maybe he's not. Oh, there it is. Maybe he's not smoking it. He's just consuming it. Mm. I mean, there's so many options now. Yeah, there's so many options now. That is true. I mean, he's the ultimate. When you think you think of Willie Nelson and Snoop Dogg. So for him to give that up, man, that's a little mind-blowing. Uh, we got just a couple of minutes left here for the program, and I appreciate your time. I want to talk about bail because obviously Ohio's tried to do it. I know a lot of friends that own bail bond companies in the state of Ohio. Illinois done it. They've tried to get rid of it now. California's working on it. Other states... How important is the bail bond industry when it comes to criminal justice in holding criminals accountable and also giving them the proper due process to be able to leave jail properly with some type of financial burden to make them show back up to court during that time? Yeah, and you just asked the the right question, is that responsibility to show back up in court. And and that's where the critical key lies. You know, there are the, the purpose of monetary bond is to make sure that people show up to court. Now, and there's over time, there's been this growing use of cash bail that it's a little bit dangerous as conservatives. We really ought to be paying attention to, yeah. and that is uh, cash bail has started to be used as this proxy for safety. Meaning that if you if you think someone might be dangerous, then put a high cash bail in hopes that they can't get out. And that's been a shortcut to deal with some constitutional flaws that a number of states around the country have. Texas is a really good example where uh, where judges are very limited on their ability to keep uh, dangerous criminals locked up leading up to their trial, even when they know that they are dangerous. And so instead, they set high cash bail. And that's something that there's been an effort going on for the last number of years uh, to change the Constitution in Texas and unfortunately, it keeps on stalling out due to some differences between the House and the Senate and how they ultimately get that done. In a place like Ohio, we end up with this whole other issue on our hands. In Ohio, you have the two most common charges that we have people sitting behind bars in county jails waiting for their trial because they can't afford cash bail. Two most common charges, minor drug possession and driving on a suspended driver's license. So we have these low-income defendants who are taking up beds in our jails, and, and most of the states across the country are dealing with the same problem. We have overcrowded county jails. We have nonviolent offenders who have nothing to do with whether or not they'll show up for court. It's just merely because it is standard practice to apply a cash bail, and they can't pay it. Now, the bond agents, this is where it gets tricky. Everyone thinks that 10% is like this magical number in law that if you give 10% to a bond agent, they'll post your money, and the bond agent is who will make sure you show up. Yeah. In the vast majority of cases, and I know you're going to have some listeners who, who might get a little bit angry over the statement, but it is true. Bond agents can set that percentage at any amount they want, and they have been caught in places like Texas and Ohio doing this low. It's 5 in some cases, even 2% sales, if you will, where say that your bond is $1,000. Well, hey, if you will put up just a measly $25, you will get out. And by the way, in most cases, it is not bond agents who make you show up for court. It's actually usually sheriff deputies. At the end of the day, 
Bond agents often are not actually constructive to keeping our communities safe, nor make people show up in court. We really need to have serious conversations about making sure that our judges and prosecutors have the tools to outright detain and lock up someone who's truly dangerous to the community. Yeah, it's a great conversation. It is something that I think needs a lot more attention. Like you said, there are so many opportunities here with everything that we covered and so much more that we could go into that Republicans can work on, conservatives can work on, we can clean up the system and bring awareness to it, educate the public on this because I think when they hear criminal justice, their eyes glaze over and they don't quite understand the issues other than, like you said, back the blue or defund police and there's so much more that goes into this and we can win on this issue to get the country and these local communities back on track. Michael, we're out of time, my friend. The Adams Project.org. Go and check out the website. We appreciate the time very much, my friend. we got to do this again soon. I love the conversation. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Hey, absolutely. Good stuff. There it is. Back at it again on Monday. Until then, also, don't miss our syndicated program over the weekend. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, she'll be joining us. It's going to be awesome. Until then, everybody have a great weekend. This is The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.